Who is this SOB? Yeah, like who does he think he is? My thought exactly. Who is this SOB? Who is this SOB? This is Steve Noble, conservative, Bible-thumping, Southern Baptist, syndicated talk radio show host, and am I the SOB? I certainly have been guilty of that in terms of how I've interacted with people I don't agree with, including my own kids, and perhaps people like you. So whether you're a liberal or conservative, gay or straight, black or white, a Christian, an atheist, or a follower of some other faith, I hope I won't be quite the SOB you might expect me to be. Only time will tell. On today's episode, I'm not engaging a popular podcast, but rather having a one-on-one conversation with my son. Is that making him the son of an SOB? Hmm. So welcome to an ongoing conversation between a very conservative father and his not-so-conservative 25-year-old son. Hey, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends and be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Who Is This SOB or check out the website at whoisthissob.com. Okay, uh, let's dive into this ongoing and sometimes very uncomfortable conversation between the SOB and his son. Okay, so here we go. This is a new direction here at Who Is This SOB. And actually, it was uh, based on some input from my son, who you're about to meet, Hayden, who's about to turn 25. By the time you hear this podcast, he will be 25. His birthday is just a couple days away. And his slightly younger sister, Amelia, who's 22 presently, and they had an idea that I should, uh, every once in a while, do an interview. And so I, I love that. I do that anyway on the radio show, and I think it's a great idea. So why not start with uh, one of our own, one of my own, our oldest son, Hayden, who's here with me in the studio today and about to turn 25. And Hayden is, we're, we're getting ready to leave cross-country trip in a couple of days to where? San Francisco, California. San Francisco, where most of my conservative friends, as soon as I tell them that our son is moving to San Francisco, what do you think their reaction is? Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, The eyebrows go up, the brow furrows, and the concern shows up on their face. Uh, And I have taken to telling people, of all the Christians that I know, and, and Hayden is a born-again Christian, just like uh, his father. Of all the people that I know, you're the one that I would pick to send to San Francisco uh, to go make an impact. However, that's not going to be in the exact same stream that I might might try to make an impact in San Francisco because one of the things you're going to learn today on the podcast is uh, Hayden and I love each other. We love the Lord. We're both Christians, but we don't necessarily agree on a lot of things, especially politically. Uh, but we do have a common language and we do have a common source for our uh, the core of our beliefs, which is our Christianity. Um, but uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> So a little, is it, is it, is this awkward for you? It's not awkward for me. It's a little strange because you're my son, but recording wise, it's not awkward, but how do you feel about doing this? I mean, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, you and I have the relationship to do this, which I'm thankful for. Um, but I mean, I'm, I think it's important that people on both sides of this issue have somebody to, or kind of a frame of reference for how this sort of dialogue can happen. And I think, I think that we have the foundation to be able to do that and to do it well. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges people face and and listen, whether you're a Christian or not, I think that there's families all over the country that are uh, divided, split up in unhealthy places over the issue of politics, uh, sometimes over the issue of religion, uh, cultural things, uh, the cultural moment we're in, whether it's COVID-19 and a mask or Black Lives Matter and a protest, 
I think that the the challenges we've faced over the years and the struggles we've faced are not uncommon. But th- that's from my perspective as a parent. But but what about you? As, with your friend group, people you've encountered since college, uh, do you think it's as big of a problem as I think it is? No, I would say for sure it's a big problem. I I mean, a lot of people that I know don't even engage their family on any of these topics because it's just kind of walking on eggshells. You don't want to get crushed or trampled by some. Uh, and and you know it's it's difficult too, especially you know coming from being the child, right? Is there there's a bit of an authority imbalance there automatically that can make these things very difficult to work through. Yeah, and and we tend to those of us with the said authority as parents tend to <laughs> try to take advantage of that. Uh, sometimes, yes, even abuse that. Uh, so, if if you had, a, and I think you kind of started to state it there, what would be your goal for today's Who Is This SOB podcast? Well, the overarching goal I would say is again just to show people that this sort of conversation is possible and that you can kind of come to terms with these differences, but just for myself personally I know and we'll we'll get into this but there a lot of people have a hard time dealing with the fact I feel like a lot of people maybe from your crowd would have a hard time dealing with the fact that I'm a committed Christian and that I hold the views that I do. And so just on my end... Um, and that you're an Andrew Yang fan. I am an Andrew Yang fan. You can <laughs> you can record that. Was that um, required in order to gain access to San Francisco or was that not required? Uh, it was it was not required, okay. but it had to be him or Bernie. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So now my conservative friends are all like in shock. Uh, so just... Stop for a moment, uh, all you conservative Christians out there, my friends or whoever, and, uh, you know, just pray and, uh, because it's going to be fine. Uh, but I think that's, that's a great point. And, and how do we kind of spring up out of the same soil, but we end up being very different. Uh, but if you could say, all right, one thing, so anybody, let's say millennial Gen Z, uh, just in general, because I think we have a divide, we're talking in the context of family and parents and children or child. But in the general context, we're massively divided as a nation where the divide is deep and getting wider. It's getting more vitriolic. So there's that as well as the family aspect, which we're kind of talking about personally today. But but if you had one goal for listeners in the Gen Z millennial generation, your generation and a little younger uh, today, what, what would it be? Man. <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? For sure. I know I'm asking too much. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But take a take a shot. Uh I would say if I had one goal, it would be to uh break down a lot of the um perspective that media and social media gives us about how divided we are. I think I mean we'll we'll get to this, but I think a lot of things drive that division and inflate it in a way that's not healthy. Uh, and I think that more often than not, we have a lot of common ground to come around on, even if our execution of yes, that yes. is very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in today's culture, in today's environment, with the way we communicate, that sounds trite. It sounds, you know, like altruistic and just, I'm sorry, we just don't live there anymore. That's not possible. Uh, but I think it is possible. And I think we can, uh, I think we need to all work harder to find ideals, principles, philosophies, bedrock notions that we can agree on. But you're right. That's a, such a great point. The, the culture, the media, mainstream media, conservative media, all media thrives on the division. And it feeds it and it fuels it. 
and it takes advantage of it for what? Ultimately for money, right? Yeah. Because they're that's how they make money. No, they, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, I'm out here trying to move to Silicon Valley, so I'm listening to yeah. those people and like I know better than I think probably most people uh, that that is exactly what's happening and their algorithms and all that are designed to drive engagement. And if somebody says super something super even keel and middle of the road, that's not exactly <laughs> uh, going to drive people in in droves to go listen and engage with that. That doesn't post. trip the algorithm. Yeah. I mean, the whole of this weird digital capitalism we exist in now thrives off of disagreement. And I think we need to be aware of that. Yeah. And I think that's a great area of unification to realize that we're all, for the most part, being played yep. and being taken advantage of and being manipulated uh, to hate and divide and not have productive conversation because that doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't trip the algorithm. That's uh, Hopefully, that's going to be a thought that stays in my brain. I would say on, on my side of the table, uh, my goal would be for people to understand uh, my number one goal as a Christ follower would be that we set an example of how through the bond of our faith, through Jesus Christ, uh, that's a bond that overwhelms everything else. So we can have all kinds of differences. There's hills to die on uh, as Christians. And then there's a lot that aren't. Uh, I'm trying to remember the saying that uh, in in our in our differences, charity, in our Remember that saying? I'm trying to remember who said that. In all things charity. Am I too young? Libra. Oh gosh, darn it. I actually just talked about this on a radio on the radio show recently. When we were talking about unity with a pastor. I should look this up. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up and then we'll be right back. Okay, back after a brief non-commercial break. I looked that up. Uh, here it is. This is a quote that's been around for a while. It's actually attributed to uh, you go back to uh, 400 the 400s with Augustine, who's kind of a church father, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. So that, and that was, he was talking about Christians. So in essentials, kind of things in the faith that you really can't chuck out or, or disagree with, ultimately about salvation, if you want to talk that language. So in those essentials, we should be unified. In non-essentials, liberty, allow some room for one another. But in all things, whether we agree or disagree, charity. And I think that's a that's a that's one my main goal today is that hopefully we will exhibit that and sh set that as an example, not a perfect one, but one that I think is moving in the right direction. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So here here's the way we're going to unpack this. We we kind of breaking this into four chapters, and we'll try to get through these uh, with some uh, respect of uh, each other's time and and uh, your time out there uh, listening to the podcast. So uh, the first one we're going to do we're just calling growing up evangelical which is him growing up in the home of very, very conservative, um, uh, fairly rigid parents, and then bursting the bubble when Hayden went off to college and things started to change, started to get it on his own two feet and started to uh, go down some roads philosophically, politically that uh, weren't going to be the same as his parents. And then uh, the next chapter after that will be the rub, because we've really struggled in the past and how we've had these conversations and, and how we react to one another and how we communicate. And then we'll finish it with growing together. So this will finish in a really positive uh, tone and in a great direction. I think that's going to be hopefully inspiring for a lot of people and challenging for a lot of people. And we'll help. Uh, hopefully we'll give some tools today that will that will help people uh, to work through this. So, uh, all right, growing up evangelical, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to hear all this. So what, what was it like growing? How would you describe to people what it was like growing up in our house with Stephen Gina Noble, very conservative, very uh, uh, 
doctrinally driven, Bible-thumping Christians? Uh, well, there's a couple sides to that, I guess. Um, I'd say for uh, at some level it was easy um, because I'm uh, a rules follower to a T, and uh, I if I you know am raised into a conviction that I'm gonna stick to my guns on that. And so a lot of the uh, things that you guys were teaching and saying, I was absorbing and going to bat for against yeah. my uh, silly liberal people that I may have known or didn't know, but caricatured. <laughs> and um, don't for one second think that all four of the noble kids are uh, stringent rule followers because they most certainly are not. No, I'm I'm the anomaly. Yes, you are. <laughs> but yeah, so in that way, yeah, I guess it was easy, right? Because I wasn't having to fight anybody. Um you know, we can get, we can get into this, but just, I think that there were a lot of, uh, I think whenever you're learning a worldview, you typically are going to want to bring into it some kind of counter worldviews. So you can do some little apologetics to kind of work through it. Kind of challenge your assumptions. Uh, Yeah. But I, uh, one thing that I noticed is that there were a lot of those, but they were almost little infographic explanations of other worldviews or yeah. other ways of viewing the world. And so it's like, oh, well, if we reduce it to this kind of simple explanation, then we can just... Unbelievers can are like this. Muslims are like exactly. this. Yeah, other yeah, religions yeah. like that. Liberals are like this. Exactly. Just kind of a bumper sticker or whatever. Not too deep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So that... Um, yeah. Just like I said, it was easy. Um on the flip side, I think it was really dangerous for me because I can put all my weight into something that I believe and be very dismissive of other people's. And not not only was it that it was a piece of cake for me to just go along with what I was being raised into, but also uh, that legalistic, self-righteous, uh, overly self-assured streak in me was a uh, Fed in oh, I thought pre- you were describing me. Oh no! I'm so, do you want me to? Or <laughs> sure. I mean, there's no whole bar today. There's no, no sacred I mean, cows here. It's fine. I mean, you. <laughs> it's right there on the book behind you. See, oh. no sacred cows. Right yeah, there. That looks good. Available now on the internet somewhere. <laughs> um, no, but it was. Uh, it just fed a lot into the kind of the darker parts of my heart and like inherent problems that I had. Some of which is obviously on me. Some of uh, some of which is is passed down. But we're not going to get into a, into a blame game here. <laughs> so when when people has anybody ever asked you because they know your dad's like on the radio. Your parents are very conservative Christians. I've been an activist since two thousand and four. I'm not like just a regular churchgoer. Uh, have have people asked you what was it like to grow up in that? environment? I don't think, well, most people don't know. I have to kind of come out as either Christian or, uh, slightly leftist depending on what crowd I'm in. Um, so, uh, like I kind of what happens is I'll meet someone maybe through, through work or whatever, and we'll get to know each other and they just know me as I am currently yeah, yeah. and they have no, none of my background contacts. And then eventually they find it out and it kind of, blows their mind because they just assume that I've been this way or whatever. Um, and then on the flip side, uh, cause how do you think most people that you meet perceive you politically and spiritually? Uh, well, if they're, um, if they're on the left, then I would say they probably do perceive me as left of center. If they're on the right, they think I'm some sort of, uh, SJW. Cretan misfit SJW. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
so that that's always a thing. But that's so, social justice warrior for our older listeners. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that's a thing. Just We're gonna, gonna be use careful. Lots of lingo. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, so on you know, that's that's case one. And then case two is someone finds out I'm Christian and from this background off the bat, and then the rest of the time is me digging myself out of that hole and showing them that I'm not like, you know, whoever showed up on the news. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna name drop anybody yet. So uh how would you describe how your mom and I parented you through those formative years? Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't I didn't have any any complaints with that. I will say um that I think that because I'm uh generally try to be agreeable and peacemaking that I probably didn't push back as much as I should have. And that yeah. certainly came to a head Definitely. later in life. Um, and you know, it's, it's always been, and, uh, we'll get to it, but just, there's always been a lot of like push back between, between you and me. And again, you know, I just want to like make things peaceful and just kind of right. comply if and all, because yeah. I, I just have bad, uh, kind of avoid that. And yeah, to, I've had a bad toolkit for uh, conflict resolution for a long time. And it's been a process to get that fixed. And as you look, as you look back at that, um, were there any things that you experienced at the time that you were like, that kind of, that kind of caught your attention that as you're growing up, this is mostly middle school, high school that you're like, uh, Maybe this isn't, maybe I don't quite, I'm not a square peg in a square hole here. Did you have any moments like that? I don't think so. I don't think, I'm not, I mean, taking after you, I'm pretty convinced of what I believe at any given point. The only reason that I've evolved beyond that is looking back a couple years, every few years and realizing how much of an idiot I was previously. <laughs> um, so no, at the time, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure uh, that everything was just kind of, okay, cool. This is how the world works. Yeah. You know, I'm a trusting guy. What do you think looking back on growing up in evangelicalism, Southern Baptist church, big steeple, red carpet, pews, the whole nine yards, uh, looking back on that, reflecting on that. And, and this is going to lead us into our next chapter, which, which is bursting the bubble when you went off to college. But when you look back at it, what, what are your biggest, I'll, I'll just use the word complaints and I'm not, that's a quantitative statement. It's not qualitative. I'm not characterizing it at all. I'm just, it's a convenient word. When you look back at it and say, okay, here's the things that I think were really not helpful for me growing up in a very conservative kind of strict, in this case, Southern Baptist evangelical environment. Yeah. Again, it was, it was caricatures is the biggest problem is, you know, I'd go through like a class like, oh, here's how to share the gospel with all these different religions or whatever, or here's how to shut people down on the evolution argument or the whatever. And, uh, it was just kind of like a lot of opinions on other cultures, but very constrained to one specific way of thinking about it. And would you say you were raised to think in, in the context of us versus them? Uh, yeah. Because one thing that is important for people to understand is that you, Hayden actually produced my radio show for about three years. I did. So you were in the studio answering calls and running the board and stuff five days a week, literally yes. for about three years. Yep. So, so back to that question, what would you, what would you say about that? Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, when you got started with all the political stuff, it was Steve Noble, the firebrand. Yep. And, uh, I mean, you had me on board with that from the beginning. I remember, um, when, 
uh, various stores were preventing people from saying Merry Christmas or whatever. (laughs) And uh, we took up arms to engage in the holy crusade (laughs) of... uh, of uh, asking these stores, kind of felt like, yeah. who, uh, <laughs> yeah, asking these stores, who, uh, hey, are you, Mister Cashier, are you allowed to, uh, right. are you allowed to say Merry Christmas? Yes, here? the war on Christmas. Yeah, and so I remember, I, gosh, how old was I? I, you were sending me in. That was like, like 2005. You were born in 95. So you were 10. I was like 10, walking into a Radio Shack, asking. Oh yeah, the, that's right. Asking the Jewish guy at the cashier whether or not he was uh, <laughs> allowed, allowed to say, to Merry, say Christmas? Merry Christmas. Like, well, we're Jewish, but. <laughs> Yeah. If you were um, on board with that. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Totally. But again, you know, it's like I, I have a lot of uh, zeal and like fervor for what I believe. And that was just a good channel uh, as well as like a good way to uh, like build myself up or feel like yeah. a better person because I'm I'm going doing the Lord's work. Right. Well, and I, and I think the one thing that's good out of all of that is that, uh, and I used to say this all the time, I still do, is that, you know, apathy really isn't an option. No. You should not be apathetic. If you care about something, if you're driven by something, you should try to do something about it. Uh, and setting aside the validity or the the lack of validity of the war on Christmas, engaging and getting out there and having conversations and, and not just sitting at home complaining, uh, I think is something that w- we all should do better at. Yep. So I think that was a good lesson, despite maybe the thinness of what we were doing. In Radio Shack. Yeah. And listen, you mentioned complaints, but I do just want to flip it and say that, yeah, like that virtue of being engaged and like fighting tooth and nail for the right thing, like that was valuable. It it was. And it's been a bit recontextualized on my end, probably to your detriment at this point. (laughs) Uh, That's okay. But I mean, yeah, I was raised with that and I saw that, but um as we'll kind of get into, uh, you and I both kind of went through some transformation yeah. there and there were some parallels. Yeah. And, and it was easy. And, and that's why as we shift to the next chapter, uh, bursting the bubble, that's why it was because you were a rule follower, you were compliant, you produced the radio show for three years. Mom and I were talking about this stuff all the time. And, uh, and so when you started to espouse some positions that were contrary to what you had been marinating in for 10 formative years anyway. Yeah. Uh, that was a real shocker. So let's, let's, let's get into that. Let's shift to this next chapter. Uh, when you went off to college and, and take us into that evolution, if you will, it's not a great word for us as Christians, but people know what we're talking about. So, so tell us about that. How did, how did you kind of go through this shift or change or whatever you want to call it? Okay, so I think uh, one thing that happened is in the process of setting up all of these uh, various, as I said, caricatures of other beliefs and opinions, there was also one set up for Christianity um, in that if you're Christian, you believe this thing, that thing, you're part of that party, you think this way, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And I think that... uh, I mean, the way, the way that our brains work is uh, that we have experiences and then that kind of defines some ways of thinking about the world. And then we run into new things, a new experience or whatever, and we kind of cross-reference it with what's in our brain, yeah. you know, what, what we've already experienced. Uh, and so all that I had as a frame of reference was this is what Christians look like. This is what non-Christian, a.k.a. Democrats look like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I think that the thing that started to 
caused some change in me was when I ran into people either through social media or in person who kind of broke those categories down. People that I couldn't just say, oh, well, you know, you're you're, you know, voting for these people or whatever. So clearly you're not a Christian or whatever. I, I mean, I found a lot of people that genuinely cared about the gospel and cared about Christian ethics and morality that were on other political sides than me, uh, other ideological or philosophical sides from me. And that was just like, okay, well, how am I supposed to reconcile these two things? Right. I, yeah. I would have just dismissed these people, but now I'm seeing it for real, not just a caricatured version of this person. Because you really didn't, you really weren't exposed to a lot of people outside of quote unquote, the bubble, right? This conservative Christian environment that you were raised in, that you went to church in, that you were homeschooled in. So you really never, we, it was easy to marginalize and just kind of say, okay, there's us and then there's them and God bless them. They don't know what they're doing because they don't know Jesus and blah, 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 blah. And we just, so that was kind of your paradigm. Yes. But then you get out of that bubble and bursting the bubble. Then all of a sudden you're meeting people that, you know, have some legitimate concerns and some ideas and they're not fire breathing dragons. And some of them claim faith. Some of them don't. But then you realize that there's actually, I think knowing you the way I do that you're like, Hey, uh, I may not agree with these people, but I like them and they seem genuine and they make some good points. Yep. Yeah. So that, you know, a lot of my categories got kind of broken down and that, I mean, I still remember a conversation I had with someone who was very, very, uh, on the left back in, in high school, I think late high school. And, uh, they said, well, just, just wait till you go off to college and you uh, start meeting some people because your opinions are going to change fast. And at that time I just had this kind of perspective that well, you know, it's just a liberal echo chamber in college. So yeah. these people are just getting indoctrinated and I'm not going to fall for this. Um, and what happened was, and this is going back to what I was saying earlier, is I ran into people and having relationships with people was the thing that started to actually enact change. Because again, it's not it's not reduced to a platform on a piece of yeah. paper, but it's learning people's perspective in relation to them, whether that's- be- And in the context of a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Which is the big problem today. We learn each other's opinions, but we don't have a relationship. Right, exactly. And so it may be easy for me to say one something about um, you know, police brutality or whatever, but then all of a sudden I'm running into someone that is part of a minority community that's on the receiving end of that. And it's like, okay, what I was saying is sounding a little bit dismissive of at this point yeah, of yeah. what, and I, I just didn't have any perspective for dealing with that. And so a lot of that started to break down and at least make me agnostic to a lot of the views that I was holding, especially politically. And your college, how would you describe your college environment? Because you didn't go to kind of a regular college. That wasn't a regular college. Yeah. So I went to a too expensive uh, art school um, (laughs) where me not having earrings or dyed hair or a tattoo was uh, a bit of a- Or a skateboard. a bit of an outlier. Well, yeah, not as many skateboards. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like the mecca of media art school. It's down in Florida and uh, like 5,000 students on campus. Is that about right? It's a lot. But artsy- Tech, yes, very different kind of. It definitely wasn't the homeschool world of Raleigh, North Carolina. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, which so. we were as your as your parents, we were like, and and this was for for Christian parents that listen to this. This is really important that, and I just think I need to share this. 
and, and trying to, to see where, how did God make this kid and what kind of skills and abilities did he have? And, and where's that going to go? He had, Hayden always had a very soft part, heart, heart for the outsider. He was artsy himself and different. And so didn't fit into kind of the regular crowd. Although he loved pr- pretty much looked like you loved everybody. You were kind towards everybody. And so this guy that's solid in his faith and solid in his beliefs as a Christian uh, not dissimilar from the San Francisco situation because you're so kind and loving and compassionate and patient with people. We knew we, you were going into, at the time we probably said, oh yeah, he's going into the artsy fartsy lion's den and this is going to be great. This is going to be enjoyable and, and satisfying to watch as he goes in there, somebody that, because I've used this line for years about you. I said, I said, people just don't see him coming. Like you said earlier, now this flips both ways. A, a, a conservative Christian will not see you coming because they'll find out you're you're a Christian and have biblical beliefs and sound doctrine, yet politically and in some cultural things, you don't fit that mold. So they didn't see you coming. Yep. And then other people who are like, oh yeah, well, you sound like you're kind of centrist or maybe a little left of center and uh, you're really gentle and kind. The, the, the last person they would expect you to be is a convictional Christian whose allegiance is to God, Christ, and the Bible. So- People just don't see you coming, but we were, we were, that was kind of that zeal of your mom and dad saying, oh, this is going to be fun to watch. And then as you started <laughs> to take on some different opinions, I was like, at the time, uh, this isn't maybe quite as fun as I thought it would be. So were you really, really walking into that thinking, oh, Hayden's going to go, uh, going to go stir the waters and. I didn't think you would stir the waters politically. I thought you would stir the waters as a witness for Jesus, uh, but so that I, but I never put on the, on the end of my thinking that perhaps your positions on certain issues might start to change. Does that make sense? Yep. It does. So, I'm so what, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah, disappointing me. So what, what, what kind of came first? Your, it sounds like your compassion and interest in individuals and to listen and be challenged by other perspectives was first. And then some of your own positions started to change. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say that that's accurate because um, I just just spent a lot of time listening to people. You know, I mean, I I'm a learner, uh, and I am constantly trying to learn and kind of develop my opinions and grow my my knowledge base. And uh, so there were people that I found. I mean, there were people on on Twitter that I found uh, that were interesting that were sharing stuff, and I was like, listen, you know, I, I don't agree with you necessarily, but I think it's important to at least have that voice in my ear mm-hmm. to be able to hear that. And the the thing, is, and again, you know, like I'm I'm an empath through and through, and I'm very uh, I feel for other people a lot, and I just started to notice a lot of suffering. Uh, from a lot of people that my own crowd had been ignoring or at least raising me to ignore. Um, not to say you specifically, but you know, our, our tradition. Yeah. The us versus them our, kind of environment. Our Southern conservative Baptist crowd. Which do you think that challenge exists for people that aren't in the church? People that maybe don't grow up in those environments. They grow up in a non-church, more liberal environment that, that cause I think it's happening on both sides that we're all, ending up in the same paradigm when it's us versus them. Yeah, no, that exists both ways for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think the ignoring the suffering is a little bit more uh, along a party line mm. in that case. Um, what do you mean by that? 
Well, just just that if you're a majority culture, oh gosh, I'm going to get in trouble with some of your listeners here. If you're part of majority culture, um, you have the freedom to ignore problems that are affecting a minority. Cause yeah, because they're, 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 they don't touch you yeah, personally. Yeah, it's not going to come into your bubble. Maybe you're going to give a few bucks to charity and say, you know, hey guys, or go to a soup kitchen, which by the way, go to soup kitchens, <laughs> go do <laughs> yes. these things, Absolutely. obviously. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to downplay yeah. any of that. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit more freedom to just not care. Whereas, uh, I mean, and it, this may shift and there is a bit of a shift, um, towards the left, maybe not necessarily having care for marginalized people on the right. I mean, you can see that with, with Trump, you know, being elected in 2016 is yeah. all these middle people feeling, left feeling marginalized by yeah. this weird neo leftist yeah. thing. And you write them off because yeah. they're just. You know, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm adopting some of the language of the media, but just to make it easier to to get these points out, that these are just you know people that love their guns, God, and Bible, and Trump, and so it's dismissive. But I can be just as dismissive about people on the left. Again, I think we're all operating sadly out of the the same paradigm: us versus them, and you marginalize the other side, whether they deserve it or not. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I guess it, it's a worthy caveat to say this yeah. exists both ways, but I was noticing a lot more of it happening in my tradition, not necessarily giving any serious credibility yeah. to minorities and other people. That and then were, what about, so that's looking at humans and individuals, which is super important, but what about issues? When did that, when did you start to kind of say, well, maybe I'm not so much this or so much that I'm I'm going to move. Uh, this is an interesting philosophy or a political position. When did that start to kind of change for you? Well, because how would you describe yourself politically now? Oh, gosh, that's really hard to do. And I'm worried about driving up a barrier. But what I, what I will say is. Um, well, that's not on you. <laughs> I know, but I, yeah, I just don't like drawing lines, but I'll, what I'll say is that, um, I, what kind of happened is I started in my conservative crowd and then, especially as we were going through the, the marriage discussions and all that, that I found myself becoming more libertarian, more like, you know, you guys just do what you're doing, uh, and apparently this is a common path that people go through is from conservative to libertarian and then into where I am, which is like left centrism, if you will. Yeah. Um, you're a centrist that leans left. Yeah. No, most definitely. But uh, not on everything because you're ardently pro-life. Right. Yeah. Although, although how that operates in the political realm and political decisions and voting is different. We'll get to that. But but yeah, I mean, but that the, those are good points. Right, And and I think people need to kind of wrestle with that. And I haven't given up any of my moral stances or whatever, but it's, it's an execution thing that has changed is how, how I think we need to execute that. And, you know, if people, if that's what it's coming down to, then I think that there's room for, for healthy disagreement. And most of the time that's what it is. I mean, if you go look at the, uh, the more in common study, you learn about what's called the, the exhausted majority, which is that. Uh, the people that you're seeing on social media, as I talked earlier with the algorithms and everything, uh, and the elites and all these people that are on the news, like they don't represent the majority of right. Americans. Yep. Um, it's good to remember the, that. The majority of Americans are pretty close to each other in the way that they think about um, 
in the way that they think about the world. Like I, I have a friend um, who took a, a political quiz. I had him take a political quiz yeah. and uh, he would have always identified uh, very right wing or whatever, not, you know, far right, but right wing. And uh, he took this quiz and it was like, oh, congratulations. Your views are 60% Republican, 60% Democrat, 13% green, whatever, whatever that Does was. Does that work in common core math or like those numbers don't work for I, me? I didn't learn common core math. Because that's about 133 I'm, I'm percentage. regular math, so <laughs> it would be uh, so no good. So you're a game art guy. But it's, you know, because there is overlap between between all yeah, those ideologies. Yeah. So I know I'm not. It's not so how did, he, how did he deal with that realization, that revelation? Well, I think it was just like a... Uh, a nice bit of clarity to realize that if you know someone may identify with something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are as different from everybody else yeah. as as they think. And that I find that that is a common experience. And a lot of my, I mean, I'm almost an evangelist for both sides. Like when uh, when I have these sorts of discussions, because uh, people that I know that are more on my crowd or even farther left, like I'm having to explain to them, like no, so-and-so is saying this for this reason. Like you are creating a caricature of them. And yeah. like, I still disagree with them. I'm on your side here, but you're oversimplifying or whatever. And I have to do the same thing for my friends on the right. On the right. They're just yeah. angry about some sort of, far, yeah. somebody they're caricaturing as far left. You're like a cultural, philosophical, political mediator. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> Which Although, goes along with the way God made you. Though. I, I think I that's could, part of your personality. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to me. I think we need this. As the, what what was the first major position that you found yourself rethinking? Um, uh, uh, probably the marriage. Or an example. Probably the marriage discussion. Yeah. Gay marriage, legality of gay marriage, 2014, Obgerfell is when that happened. Before that, just so, for context for everybody, uh, we fought like crazy here in North Carolina for several years to pass a marriage amendment, which 31 states ended up passing a marriage amendment, putting it into their state constitution, just defining marriage as, as one man and one woman. Uh, and so that, that that was an active thing that we were involved in, uh, 2010, 2012, 2012, it got actually enacted here in North Carolina. And then in 2014, with the Supreme Court decision, Obgerfell, then gay marriage became the law of the land. And you went from, uh, you didn't change your position, a moral position in terms of the issue of, of uh, homosexuality or the definition of marriage, but you had a, lib a libertarian position, which is, hey, guys, do what you want. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of came around that and I can't, um, give up on the, on the moral position. I mean, even if you look at scholarship, both, both Christians and non-Christians across the board that are Bible scholars, you know, they're like, nope, this is just the way that it is, you know? So I can't, I can't get around that yeah. if I'm going to continue to hold scripture as authority. But I will say that the way that I approached, um, people was very different. And I think that also, one thing that's kind of happened is I've realized how much agency Jesus Jesus gave to people. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, just th that he respected a lot of their decisions. He's like, okay, if you want to do this, then go and do that. Yeah. Like I'm calling you out of this, but you can go and do that. And he he loves people in that context, anyways. Yeah, he's a big fan of religious freedom. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely for what, sure. At, at, at what point in, in college? Because when you graduated, you ended up moving home. Because the next chapter of our story today is the rub. So as you as you were experiencing this in college, were you were you ever thinking, oh gosh, 
what's going to happen when I, and you didn't have a lot, he was able to do a four-year degree because of the program there in like 22 months. So it wasn't like he was hanging out at home all summer. Did you ever go through a, a, I don't know how this is going to happen. When I start to share some of these things with my parents, was that a, was that on your radar screen or not until you moved back? Uh, probably not in any serious way until I moved back. As I said, um, I'm a big mediator and, uh, I can just come home and have a good time. Um, Avoid unnecessary conflict. Yeah, that wasn't a real big issue. I mean, you know, stuff definitely got a little dicier when it came close to like election time or whatever. But even then, I was still identifying as right of center. When did you graduate from college? Uh, That would be June of 16. Oh, boy. So right in the middle of the... uh, emergence of uh, Donald J. Trump. Yes. I, I celebrated my graduation and cried over this candidate of all the candidates being <laughs> the guy that had to go through. Because we both fell asleep in the family room the night of the election, November of 2016. Because it was like two or three in the morning when I, saw, I, I stirred and saw Mike Pence step onto the stage. And it sounded like a victory speech and I was just as in shock as most people. And then I think I woke you up and said, hey, Hayden, I think he actually won. Remember that? Yeah. Well, the uh, propaganda campaign around the inevitability of the Clinton presidency oh 2.0 was uh, quite strong. It's quite strong. <laughs> yes. Very effective. So so you move home and, and the next chapter of our, of our conversation is the rub. Uh, and we started to we started to rub. Yes, we did. It started to get kind of uncomfortable. Yep, cause all. So talk about that. Well, you know, it was smooth sailing when we agreed on everything. <laughs> sure, that's easy. Then it was just like I'm your uh, I'm your little wingman there to uh, support and learn and uh, almost be your uh, your uh, <laughs> uh, Hayden kind was made in Steve's image. Yes. Oh, I like um, the sound of that. Yeah, I know. I know you do, but <laughs> this this is not an image. I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I'm kid. Mostly, I'm kidding. You know that, right? Yeah. You know, I'm kidding. No, I know. Yeah. Okay. Good. I don't feel like a disappointment. I have no interest whatever. in you being made in my image. I want you to follow Jesus. Only follow me as I follow yeah. Jesus, which sounds like the apostle Paul. What I'm hearing is that parenting is like, you want your kid to be enough like you, but also enough not like yeah. you. So hopefully we're on a good track yes. here. Yes. Yes. I agree. So the rub, because I, from, from our perspective, for me, and somebody asked me this question the other day, actually a Christian counselor the guy that we know together, Tate. And, uh, and he said, do you, do you get really upset when callers disagree with you? When people on social media disagree with you or attack you or have a problem with your positions? I'm like, no, I kind of brush that off. It's part of the territory. I've been doing this since 2004. So 16 years of, of that has made my skin pretty thick. He goes, so why do you think you get so mad when it's your kids? And I said, and that was a, it's a great question. And I think it's a question most parents struggle with. I told him, I said, I think because I, I perceive, I'm being very honest here, I perceive it as a betrayal. I sew in and I sew in and I can back up my positions and then all of a sudden your kids are rejecting some of your positions. And I, and I know that from a, from a Christian perspective, that is my pride. My pride is uh, you're rejecting me. And, and unfortunately... I tend to go to anger first. Hopefully I'm improving, but that's generally because it feels like a betrayal and it's just infuriating. And I know I've got a lot of Christian friends, parents out there that are like, how, how, cause we all, cause now your mom and I are, are evangelists of, Hey, maintain your relationship. 
The relationship comes first, not the differences. The mm-hmm. relationship. Stay in a health, fight for a healthy relationship. We'll get through all the other stuff if our relationship is sound. But it was really difficult because it felt like a betrayal. Yep. How's that hit you? Have you ever heard me say I that mean, before? I, I, th- I think it's fair. I think it's a, a fair way to respond, especially, I mean, like your your job as parents, right, is to train your children up in the way they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart from it. Yeah. Um, and I think what's interesting is that you trained, at least, you know, in, in my case, just from speaking from my experience, you trained me up in the way I should go, but not necessarily the direction. Um, That's a very insightful difference. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, again, like the way that you taught me to defend what I believe and think critically and gather data and all of these things, the whole theory of belief that you established and raised me in is still there. Yeah, that's your that's your uh, your operational. What is that? What I'm I'm thinking computer Modus language. Operandi? No, computer uh, language. It's your operating system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the code, if yeah. you will, yes, but you we're will. running some different programs here. <laughs> I'm more of a Firefox guy. So <laughs> we really struggled. We would come, we'd loggerheads. We would, we'd bad heads with each other. We'd get into arguments. It would be kind of ugly. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, why was it so frustrating? Why, why, well, it was a pair. I mean, the rug was kind of ripped out from under me because I was used to vocalizing my opinions and getting a bunch of support and like, <laughs> yeah, go get them, son. <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm, uh, I'm coming in and I'm doing the same thing I'm doing, feeling the same way, kind of like self-righteous or whatever. But, uh, all of a sudden I'm not getting the back pats and, uh, that was. <laughs> now little, you're the opposition caller with your own dad. Yeah. A little bit hard to deal so with. So that. Hard in terms of uncomfortable or did it hurt you? I think it, I think it hurt me. Yeah. Um, I just, I want to feel respected and stuff. And, you know, so, so this is the, the kind of sad thing about the whole thing is that growing up, you know, there was so much of this like discussion about the left and that it was all like, well, these people are just immature. They don't know what they're talking about. They're emotionally driven, whatever. And so I'm like using all this vitriolic language and viewing those people the same way. And then all, you know, like a thief in the night, suddenly my perspectives start changing. And all of a sudden, all the belittling language and attitudes towards those people is getting channeled back at me. I'll be, you know, not necessarily yeah. as overtly, but... I could feel the lack of respect or like, well, you know, Hayden's young. He was just off at art school. He's he'll, he'll come back around when he gets older. Uh, And I I (laughs) felt a lot of that. And it was like, I used to be so validated in my opinions. Now I believe something different with the same fervor and it's just getting cut down. Well, you and your sister say the same thing about, I want you to respect my opinions. And then my, my rebuttal of that has always been, uh, how can I respect something that I know is wrong, right? You want me to respect an opinion that I think I can make a case for as a Christian, that that's not the right position. So how am I supposed to respect that? Uh, and, and we, you know, I danced around that language and, and really weaponized it because I was in a battle with my son trying to win an argument as opposed to 
trying to work through our differences and maintain a loving, in, in our case, a godly relationship patterned after what we've been taught from the scriptures that uh, like in the book of Romans in the New Testament, is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone or go to the Old Testament, Psalm 34, seek peace and pursue it. I wasn't seeking peace and pursuing it. I was seeking a win and I was seeking a win without getting emotional against my own kid whether it be you or your sister. And and then, yeah, you don't. So it's not, it's like, I re, I should have respected the fact that you were thinking through things, your own coming up with your positions and based on your experiences and your understanding of scripture, because you didn't, it's important for people to understand this. Hayden and I are both reading from the same sheet of music. We both have allegiance to Christ and God and his word. and uh, But how we apply that and, and how it gets into the politics and stuff sometimes, we can end up in a different place. But like we said a while ago, in all things charity, and I didn't have that. I didn't have charity. I had anger and disappointment and felt like betrayal. So I hit back instead of listening, instead of saying, hey, you know what? I value your opinion because I love you and because you're made in God's image and you're worthy of it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's like I said earlier, these things you have to work out in relationship yeah. and that's the only, which is why I just think but this sort of battle on social media is the most worthless oh, waste of time oh. that you could, it's worse it, than that. It just, it flattens everybody out. It oh, flattens yeah. your opinion out. It's yeah. not happening in the context of relationships mm. or with little visual cues, like the expressions on people's faces or whatever. It's just you versus what's essentially an AI yeah. on the screen. <laughs> right, right, right. And we're all being manipulated. Yep. I don't think we can say that enough. We are being manipulated. Yes. I, neither one of us, just to confirm, are removing personal responsibility. No. We we are being manipulated, and then we choose to to follow it. We yep. choose to give ourselves over to it and to partake in it. Uh, and we all need to learn a lesson from that. So yeah, Hayden and I would butt heads. We'd get angry. I was angry. Were you angry? Uh, I, I I think it was more hurt. I mm. um, it takes a long time for that to evolve into anger for me. Um, which that did come to a head at a certain point, but. Um, did it? When was that? Well, I don't know where you were, but I was storming around my apartment on the phone with you probably mm. two years ago. Yeah. What were, yeah. What was that argument? Oh gosh. I don't know. Was Pro it political? Most likely. Well, certainly. <laughs> certainly. Certainly. Yeah. I, I stay out of the theological arguments with you. I'm not ready to be disowned, but, um, <laughs> oh, gosh, that was a little, <laughs> we're still working through that. Ouch. Um, yeah, but no, it was definitely political. We were talking Our theological differences are interesting and important, but not doctrinally necessary for salvation. Yeah, no way. No way. No, but Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is divine, virgin birth, death, burial, resurrection. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Yeah, we aren't fighting over We're any of that. We're not fighting over any of that stuff. No, we have that, we have that common ground. But the yeah. political thing, uh, oh, yeah. maybe not so yeah. much. Oh, uh, I remember, yeah, just getting off the phone. I mean, I'm sure one day because the scripture, the Bible tells us that we will be held accountable for every careless word we ever spoke, which would include, because God knows what's in our minds, uh, the things that I thought as I talked to my son and as I hung up the phone and the thoughts and sometimes words I would have with myself afterwards, uh, believe me, I, I've had to repent from that 
many, many times. I'm sitting there and I would, and I've shared this with other people. I don't know that I've shared it on the air. And so sometimes I would be like, oh, what is, what is, how sick am I that I said that about or think that about my son or my daughter? And these are the older two, not the younger two. Uh, and, you know, it's just horrific. But that was part of the lesson today is really that, that we want to reduce ourselves, even the people we love in our blood family or adopted family, because of politics, because of differences. That's just heartbreaking to me. And, and I'm the chief of all sinners on that one. Yeah, that uh, that phone call was rough. But, you know, I think a lot of times like we would talk through things and like I just get upset and then we just have to kind of shut it down. Yeah. Um, but again, I was feeling trampled and like just kind of not respected. And there was just one point on that call where I just kind of broke down and I don't remember if I teared up or raised my voice first, but there was some combination of those things happening. And I was just like, this is nonsense. What's happening? Like you aren't making me feel like this is a fair discussion. It just feels like a beat down every yeah, time. I'm sure it was. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was rough, but uh, you actually responded at that point. I think something broke through and you apologized for it. And it's, that's not to say that it was all fixed from that point, but I think that that was the moment that we sunk the foundation in to yeah. actually start relating to each other in a healthier way. By the way, we, we, we're recording this. This is the podcast. Uh, we're also capturing the whole thing on video, but uh, if you're just listening to the podcast... Uh, just, just to be completely uh, transparent here, uh, moments in this podcast are not easy. I am in many, in many instances. One right now, I'm I'm choking back tears because this has not been easy, and I've had to confront a lot of things. And uh, but it's been worth it, and God has used it, and we're in a much better place now. But I just know. There's parents and there's kids out there or friends or roommates or coworkers that are agonizing through these things. And I'm just thankful that you were willing to do this and we're both willing to have this conversation openly. I mean, publicly. You bet. I think it needs to happen a lot more. Okay, so things were crappy. That's chapter four. That's, that's that chapter, the rub. I think we've established that and I think most people understand that and unfortunately can relate to it. Okay, growing together, final chapter, because we don't want to spend you know all day and all night with everybody and they don't want to spend it all with us. So That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Uh, so growing together, when do you think things started to get better and and why and how? and, and Because we're... We still have last night. We, I'm like, I just want to go to bed. We're going to be talking about this all tomorrow. <laughs> but last month, night, we were, we were button heads a little bit last night, but we can handle it now. It's much better. It's not easy, but it's much better. So yes. what do you think started to turn the corner for us? The SOB and his son. Man. Um, Alleged SOB, by the way. <laughs> like, continually, always an SOB. I can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, as I said, that that conversation definitely started to turn the uh turn the tide a little bit, but I think one big realization that I came to was that I was going to have to play the long game with a lot of these things. Um one thing that you told me over and over again, it especially in situations where I maybe had a valid point was, yeah, son, but like my generation is going to have a hard time thinking that way or a hard time coming around on that. Um, 
And what I had to kind of learn is that it really is a slow process with a lot of things. And I'm not going to out you, but there, there was a conversation we had recently <laughs> where That's I, funny. cause you and I had a fight over something a year ago and, uh, I was pretty firm on my opinion and uh, then uh, a month ago when we were talking, uh, you basically said, yeah, I've, I've come around on that position, um, which I was like, oh, OK, that was unexpected. What is it? What? Which position? Out of way. It was the. Uh, I live in the public. I'm not. It was the. I don't um, want every, all my crap out. It but. was the 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 uh, pulling down our national history from monuments. Oh, Confederate monuments discussion. Yes. Um, and because uh, that was pretty ugly a year ago. Yes, your it, sister it left the room in tears, and you yeah. and I were red. It, yeah, we were red. It's yes, very true. It was more obvious on your skin. Yes, but, of course. Um, <laughs> Rosacea. It's a pain in the butt. Oh, you should get that looked at. <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, but that discussion, I mean, like, I didn't feel like it went anywhere a year ago. It yeah. just, no, I it mean, didn't. Clearly all it went is all over the place and, yeah. uh, just kind of stirred us up. That's because me, it wasn't about, it wasn't first and foremost about the issue. It was about the difference mm -hmm. that I held a position that my son and my daughter didn't hold. <clears throat> and that, that was still that the whole betrayal anger, anger thing. I'm like, how do you not see this? Or all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, some, and, but one thing that you've said repeatedly uh, for this podcast was uh, you just said it in a very clear way that you got to realize this is the long game. Yes. Is that this has to be an ongoing dialogue. There is a time when it's profitable to push back from the table. Things are a little too elevated. We need to, you know, go to your separate corners, take a time out and, uh, and separate, but don't give up on the conversation. And yep. there's a time and a place. And it's not like you, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about politics all the time. Uh, we can just talk. We're both Star Wars fans. We love movies. We can just talk about things other than that. Uh, and I think it's important that we do that. If our, if our relationships are based solely on uh, talking politics, we've got a problem. Yep. I'm killing this stupid little spider that just showed up on your. Would you kill the spider? See, now there's another difference. Hayden doesn't like when that, that old saying, uh, he wouldn't harm a fly in this case. I actually don't. He actually doesn't. I actually say. Didn't that happen the other day? At, every at the single house? house fly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's because I'm a snowflake. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Just can't handle death. That's, yeah. I the dominion that God has given I you need over to the earth. Just own it. Yes. Yes. Good. Um, but growing together, and so yeah, that was bad. But we, you and I, stayed in the conversation. Your yep. sister left, which I understand. Yes. Um, yeah, but we, I mean, we kept plugging away, yeah. and I think what I've learned about you is that it's gonna, it is like you're probably not gonna admit defeat immediately or anything, but you're gonna have to take it in and process for a while, which I think is fine for someone in your position because you gotta. I mean, you don't want to just crumple under everything, but. Uh, and I, I wanted to say this earlier and maybe now is a good time, but one thing that changed in you, uh, from when you started doing the political activism thing to where you are now is that you started learning to listen and dialogue and actually begin to change. Um, and that is something that I followed suit on. I mean, we had similar journeys and learning to let go of the vitriol and the like 
almost bigoted behavior in a lot of cases. Um, I'm young, so I have a little bit more liberty to swing in insane directions uh, than you do. But that, uh, that again, that method of taking in information and really changing as a person is something that you modeled for me. And that's something that I've had to kind of factor in is that, hey, you know, this is the rate at which data is going to move. And I'm, I'm trying to remember who said it could have been a lecture at my church in California or somewhere else. But somebody was talking about like when you're talking like as a public speaker, communicating to a group that you don't ever want to take someone from one side of an issue to another side of an issue. You want to say, what are some very small steps that we can take? Because if you if you go too extreme when you're trying to have these conversations, you're just going to lose people. So if I can just pivot you just a tiny bit away so we can maybe agree on something or you can come around on something, then that's that's both effective at a psychological level and at a relational level. Because mm-hmm. I'm not just overriding your opinions and your whole identity to basically tell you it's all a sham and you got to toss yeah. it out. There's that, there's that back and forth, but it needs to be in the context of respect for each other. Yeah, that's and good. We just, I mean, social media does not promote this sort of engagement whatsoever. I mean, I I see so many people just from the extreme ends of an of an opinion that are going to bat with each oh, other, yeah. and it's just it's never helpful. You never get anywhere. I like I never see someone say, I mean. I don't even know if you've ever seen that where two people were total opposite ends of an issue and they're talking, they're talking, they're button heads. And then all of a sudden one of them is like, you know what? You're right. Never really thought of it that way. Yeah. I just, well, that's because the algorithm <laughs> erased that. No, it doesn't want that. Peace, peace does not sell. Oh, these two, these two uh, figureheads just uh, came to a point of agreement that's not going to pay our bills. So yeah, no good. We're not going to push that. No, no mas on that. We're not going to push that one. No out there. ad revenue coming out of uh, that. Yeah, I think for me, in in terms of this process and and us growing as individuals and then growing together in this realm of disagreement. And uh, maintaining a relationship and now a healthy relationship again. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned this before, but back in 2016, I did this three-hour dinner with members of the transgendered community who were fighting for the bathroom bill thing. That was a big mess here in North Carolina. And uh, and then I got asked in the last moment, literally an hour and a half before it happened. And they filmed all three hours. They break that down into an eight-minute segment on something called uh, Breaking Bread. Not Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bread. And and because they did no other conservative evangelical will go walk into this. Uh, but I'm a, I'm an adventurous guy. So I'm like, sure, I'll go. Uh, but the thing that I, that I, a, t- a saying that God got into my brain at some point, and I said it to the director that night, it was a young, it's a millennial Jewish liberal guy, the guy that's the host of the show and the producer of the show. Uh, and it's a joint venture between Univision and ABC. And, and I said to him, listen, I do have a goal that I'll share with you is I want to be the last hardcore, super conservative, evangelical Christian you ever expected to meet, the last kind. And he goes, what kind is that? You know, it's kind of a weird statement to make. And I, and I smiled at him and I said, likable. And he kind of laughed and he's like, oh, okay. Well, he, did, he was very appreciative that I came and did it because he was going to be in trouble if he didn't have somebody from my camp. And we spent three hours in that back and forth and it was uncomfortable at times, but it was civil. And I'm sitting there talking, I'm, I'm looking at a, a uh, a person that was born uh, a man and then chose to transition size D breast implants, short skirt. T- I'm six, I'm about six one. Uh, they were probably six three with heels on and a mini skirt. And, but we were able to have conversations and, and, 
and and I'm trying to remember, Candace, I think was uh, her name and, and say, I said her name and that's going to trigger some people. You're getting better. And because uh, I'm not going to die in that hill in a relationship with somebody, especially when I have a three hour window to try to make a good impression on them as a follower of Jesus. And so, and, and Candace would say, Hey, I'm a Christian too. And I'd be oh, really, and, but it was civil and it was loving. And when we left, Dan, the producer stopped me and said, Hey, Steve, I just wanted to tell you, you accomplished your goal. I've never really met, and you're obviously very conservative. I've never really met a conservative Christian like you. <clears throat> and, I, and I thanked him for his honesty and his willingness to say that. And I said, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I said, well, Dan, if you like me a little bit, uh, I think you'd really like Jesus. He is cool. And, uh, and I'm just a really bad shadow. <laughs> and this is a young Jewish guy, right? Probably agnostic. And, uh, and he just looked at me and I'll never forget the look on his face. And he said, yeah, I never really thought of him that way. And I said, maybe you should. And we hugged and I left. And things like that brought me back to Jesus who looked at everyone, whether they agreed with him or not, looked at everyone as people made in his image with inestimable worth, worthy of respect and dignity and love and compassion and care. Yeah. Even... When they hang you on a cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He could have called down 12 legions of angels, which is about 60,000. He could have made a mess of the whole place, and he didn't. Even though he disagreed vehemently, and they hated him, he loved them. And that's powerful. That starts to transform everything for us as Christians. Yeah. I need to stop talking. That was long-winded. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, yeah, but I guess I just... My big thing is I just don't want people pigeonholed and I don't want you. I mean, like I, like I said earlier, I'm an apologist for conservatives sometimes despite having vehement disagreements. Um, and that is the same with you and with talking to, you know, as we said at the beginning of the show, um, when people find out that we are related and that this is the soil that I grew up in and all that. It's definitely a shocker to a lot of people, but, um, you know, I just, if anybody wants to write you off as whatever, some angry conservative that doesn't listen to people, I mean, that story of that dinner and there are countless other times that I can refer to that really do break down that. And so, just for anybody that may be on my side of the aisle that's listening here, um, I can tell you as someone that's in relationship with someone uh, that is on the other side, uh, that you got to be careful about that sort of thing. Um, you, you are a compassionate person and you're somebody that's willing to learn. And I think it's very important that we don't Import, and this this goes to both sides is you don't want to import your experience with a caricature of a, of a person yeah, into yeah. the experience that you're having the actual relationship yeah because I mean that's the problem is people may see I mean even I do that like I know you right but even I see like a post on Facebook or something and I'm like oh gosh dad <laughs> like why are you doing this yeah, yeah, yeah. and then maybe if I talk to you about the issue further it's like oh there's more there's no more nuance here or maybe you talked about it in greater length on your show. And I just wasn't around for that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, maybe I was, I was importing a little bit too much into this, even cross-referenced with our relationship. I'm still guilty of that. So for people, yeah, me too. for people that don't even have a relationship with the person, oh, it's man. so much more difficult. I mean, like it's hard for me 
for people that don't have that, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. And that's why I think that this uh, podcast is so important is that it gives people time if they're willing to invest in it to get to know you personally and also just to kind of see you on your journey. Um, and, you know, I, I've talked with uh, one of my closest friends about this, you know, like it's always a little nerve wracking to get onto a podcast because it's all of a sudden it's getting set in stone and somebody, you know, 10 years from now when I'm running for some sort of local office is going <laughs> to, is going to pull this thing up and yeah, say, now yeah. what did he say about this yeah, issue? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but I think that this is a good medium over time if people are willing to not just want to pin you down and say, oh, this is the way you are, but to go on that journey with you um, and to get to know you and get to know uh, you in the context of your positions. I think that that's a really good space for dialogue, but it takes that openness mm -hmm. and it takes that willing to, for a moment, let's just suppress these presuppositions yeah. that I have. And for, you know, like for Let's say that you're listening and you're in this situation, the same kind of dynamic that dad and I have where uh, you both have those disagreements and that parent is conservative and you're young and more left-leaning. Uh, this is, I think, an important thing is you have to have some humility there. And again, play the long game, be comfortable with that dialogue and let the relationship be the anchor for the discussion yeah. over and beyond how incredibly heated some of the issues yeah. can get. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then you know, like uh, on the issue of Trump, and then we're going to wrap this up, but on the issue of Trump, the probably the most divisive, I think probably the most divisive future uh, uh, politician in probably at least 50 years, maybe in the end, in the end game, it'll be in the history of the nation. But even that where, where feelings run high and uh, immediately, you know, there's not a lot of people that are kind of agnostic when it comes to Donald Trump. You're either one way or the other. <clears throat> and again, going back to your point, uh, it's easy to categorize somebody. You see a flag or a MAGA hat and you make all kinds of assumptions about people without, we don't know each other's stories. We don't even know each other. And we immediately categorize each other. Or I see you with a, with a Biden hat on or a Hillary, I don't have a Biden. He doesn't have a Biden. I'm just speaking generally. Uh, and, and, and go, okay, well, I can tell you 10 things about that person right now without knowing anything of their story. You know, one of the biggest atheist activists in America happens to be a friend of mine. And I would say he's a pretty good friend. And we've known each other for six or seven years now. And there's some things we disagree on or agree on and most things we don't. But we took the time to get to know each other. And I think that's that's a big takeaway. So if this is this conversation that Hayden and I are having today fits into your context as family, that's probably the most difficult place. But outside of that, roommate, neighbor, coworker, somebody online, just remember there's there's everybody's got a story. And everybody's got pain and disappointment and heartache. And you have to approach each other. We have to approach each other realizing that and giving each other, uh, and this will trigger some people, the benefit of the doubt. I may hate your political position, but I shouldn't hate you. And then we have to dialogue and we have to be in conversation. We all have keyboard courage. We're willing to tweet or post or say things online that most of us, some of us would say it in person, but most of us wouldn't. And that's why... 
when we don't have time together, when we don't sit down and have coffee, when we don't engage in a tough conversation, we just run away and we go back to our trench, the country gets worse. So it's up to each and every one of us, in this case for you, Hayden, and for me, uh, to invest in others and to take the time. Because if we just continue to play the game that we've been playing, uh, both being played to play it and choosing to play it, uh, this country's only going to get worse and, and more violent. I think. Yeah, no, total. And I, I think, uh, the, uh, my, my pastor in California probably said it best, which, you know, there's a lot of things that are true about us, but the question is what's the truest thing about us. And I think for you and me as, as Christians and probably for some, you know, a good portion of people listening that, uh, that identity has to be the thing that supersedes. And even if you want to secularize this, just to talk more broadly for us as Americans, like that is the thing, like before Democrat or Republican or whatever, like we're united around these ideals, whether you think we're living up to them right now right. or you don't. We talked about that last night. Like that is, that is the thing that you've got to come around. We've got to come around that. And if that identity is the biggest thing for you, um, then I think everything else can fall into place in a healthier way yeah. and you can have discussion. Yeah. What, what would you say to, uh, you, you, we'll close by you saying something to parents, because that's the context that we're in. You say something to parents, and then I'll say something to sons and daughters. How's that? Okay. You're okay with that yep. as a way to close? Okay, yeah. you go first. Please don't write us off. I know that it is a uh, time of a lot of change and existentialist crisis for people that are young and figuring stuff out. Um, but ultimately, I mean, people we're working through this stuff and, um, you need to be careful that you are encouraging honest introspection and intellectual pursuit and all of this stuff, uh, in your kid and respect the journey that they are on. Um, it's, I understand that it's, that it's very easy to just say, well, you know, they're, they're whatever they're young. That is easy. Um, and therefore in our fleshly way of thinking, that is the route that we tend to go. And my challenge is reject that reject that easy way out of thinking, caricaturizing, overriding, ignoring, and really engage in thoughtful dialogue with a position of humility that maybe just maybe you're on a learning process as well. Yeah. Great points. I, I would say to uh, sons and daughters, um, I know some people won't like me starting like this, but I haven't generally done a lot of things based on whether people <laughs> like them or not. That is true. Uh, I would say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, and please forgive me. Uh, please forgive us. It, like I said earlier, it is very difficult as a parent, and and if you are one day, you'll you'll be a parent. Maybe uh, you'll experience it yourself because the, you take everything personally. That's why it's so difficult with your sons and your daughters because you take it all personally and you react emotionally, uh, and and. And there's plenty of blame on both sides of this table and both sides of the aisle, okay, on this. Uh, but please forgive us because it's difficult when your kids uh, go choose to go down a different road in one way or another. 
lifestyle, political beliefs, even um, religious beliefs, matters of faith. So please forgive us for not handling that well. Some parents handle it beautifully. I think most of us struggle. I would say, uh, yeah, be be patient. Like Hayden was saying, let's be patient with one another. Please be patient with us. Uh, please remember that our our foundation is sunk a lot deeper than yours is just because we're older. And and when you're trying to if you're trying to get a building to move a little bit, if it's an old building and it's set in its foundation, that's not very easy. So don't get don't allow yourself to get too frustrated or, or angry when the building doesn't move quickly. And and uh and stay in the conversation and and be honest. And try to be honest while at the same time being respectful. I know respecting your elders and to some people that's old fashioned and, and that is a biblical truth, but uh, I, as parents, we shouldn't take advantage of that. But it, it's helpful if we approach one another with some patience, like Hayden said, a lot of humility and be in the long game. Don't write your parents off. Uh, most likely they actually do love you. Most of them would probably take a bullet and die for you. And you need to remember that in the relationship that, that you have with your parents is more important than a political position. Political positions have ramifications in the real world. People are affected. There's heartbreak, there's freedom, there's success, all those things. Those are real and it all matters because we're talking about human beings, which have inestimable worth and are made in the image of God. That's how Hayden and I think as Christians, uh, but but remember that that compassion and that care and value the relationship and maintain a, li- a lifelong relationship. Learning how to do that, even despite your differences, is really, really important. It's crucial. I think it would make a big difference in our country, uh, in a country that's divided, as well as families that are divided, kids growing up. 42% of children in America right now are growing up without a father in the home. So the family's in bad enough shape as it is. Let's not make it worse by being uncompassionate towards each other and uh, impatient and uh, really fight to stay and affirm each other. I love you. I do care about you. We might not agree on things, but I, I love you and I care about you. We need to make sure we're sharing that kind of stuff. Uh, anything else? Just that um, I think Jesus perspective on change and on growth is so critical here that, um, that, you know, the seeds get scattered and things grow slowly Mm -hmm. and it's, it's our responsibility to weed out the problems. But the reality is that, you know, God through Christ showed what authority looks like and what power looks like. And he wielded it in a way that is totally contrary to what all the propaganda around power at the time was saying. And that was self-sacrifice and humility, that the throne that he was on was not raised up in front of all these bowing people that were all idolizing him and he exerts his mighty hand over the world. But instead, the throne that he's put on is the cross. And I think if we have that perspective, that power, and that change happens through humility and through grace, then I think that is going to really change the world and more specifically the way that we engage with other people. Yeah, so important. And, and Jesus is such a such a beautiful example of that. The perfect example of that, uh, caring for people. And uh, I always, I, I, I always, always regularly. Uh, will ask fellow Christians, who did Jesus hammer? Who was he really rough with? Well, it was pretty much only the religious self-righteous self, self, self righteous big mouths of the day. 
Uh, other people, he would allow them to walk away. You said this earlier. He allows for free agency. You don't agree. That's fine. You walk away. That's the decision you make. There's a price to be paid there. Uh, but he doesn't beat up your average person. He Really, it's just the sanctimonious, self-righteous, prideful uh, religious leaders of the day that he was really hard on. And everybody else, he was compassionate and patient, spoke the truth and allowed them to do with it what they chose to do with it. Uh, a great example and a servant leader is somebody that was willing to sacrifice himself for people that largely at the time, most of them hated him. So uh, a great reminder and a great way to finish up. So there you go. Thanks, Hayden. It's been a huge blessing. I really appreciate you doing this. Well, it's, it's been a blessing to me also. That's awesome. Okay, so there you go. Another who is this SOB in the can. Uh, you can check it out at the website, who is this SOB.com. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place there now. Uh, go to the website, who is this SOB.com. You can send comments there or just email me info at who is this SOB.com. And I'll be sure to reply to that and uh, check out the previous episodes. A lot of interesting things on there. This episode, this podcast, who is this SOB uh, is evolving as it moves along willing to have this conversation, talk about the things like I did today with Hayden, and then apply that same, hopefully that same approach to some of the most popular podcasts out there to further a conversation and hopefully to start and further a relationship as well. Okay. So there you go. Check it out. Uh, and like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Ever forward.